Okay, cool. Now we're let's let's start the show. Super Giant World Podcast. Okay, Drew, no pressure. Are you there? I'm here. Okay, we're trying a new format. So according to the format, this is when me and you do an intro. Oh, okay. Um so what's greetings. Greetings to you. Do it. Pro Pro Drucer. Pro Drucer, yeah. I thought of that the other night. I thought that was so funny. It's ha, very ha, clever. Ha, ha. Very clever. How you been doing? You good? I'm good. Good. Yeah. Good. 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 Getting We're doing a lot. Swing of things. A lot yeah. of podcasting. Yeah. More days than not. I, you know, you're right. I didn't really think of it like that. But mm-hmm. yeah. so Luckily, we get some time, just a little bit, to spend with our families and resume <laughs> our normal lives. Families, come on, man. <laughs> Though we have been FaceTiming at home. To get things right. We did. And we discovered some new tools on FaceTime. I, I thought it was kind of funny because we were talking the other day about uh, how I think you and Jordan were kind of like dogging on people or somebody was dogging yeah. on people using FaceTime and then I was no like, one does it. FaceTime him. I love it. Yeah. It's very personal, I very like intimate. It it's using the available technology. And then like with the... Uh, I love what it. They, what they call that thing? The Animoji? No, yeah, the, you have your me, own... Memoji. You yeah. have your own moji. I have my own my own uh, Memoji. Did it take a long time to do that? Kind of. I mean, it doesn't take that long, but like, I like to play with all of the uh, the looks. You know, what I yours mean? looks pretty like much like you. It looked just like me. Yeah, it had the good hair, job. It had the hat, all the good stuff. Maybe you have to link me to that. Okay, I'll see if I can't get that figured out. Facetime each other with our own memojis. Yeah, and then we'll just be the memojis during the calls. Only, yeah, I don't want to see our actual faces. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Okay, cool. Um, well, anything else? No. Cool. Well. That's producer during the intro. Part one of the podcast <laughs> is, is complete. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's go into our guest intro. Part two. Today, we have a couple of guests. Very honored. Very talented guests. Very excited about this. Um, our first guest today, I've known for um, just a short amount of time. Uh, maybe just like a few months. And the, the, our guest today, you get two guests for the price of one, everybody, which is exciting because these two guests are kind of connected. I kind of have it um, in mind of just letting you guys kind of free flow. But uh, I want to introduce our first guest today, um, my friend, Ryan Doyle. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And we have Ido Rosenblith. Uh, hi. Nice yes. To Ido, real quick, Ido. <laughs> I think this is the third time that we've podcasted together. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, quickly makes you the most uh, frequent guest. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a true honor. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure as well. I mean, I'm a very interesting person. So. And you have, a, you have a great voice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I've been working on it, so. Well. Taking classes and stuff. Keep it up because it's, it's I'm sure the listeners, are, it must just be like honey to their ears. Mm, yeah, thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. <laughs> We have a good energy together, Ido. Oh, yeah? Think Don't so? you think so? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're kind of like quiet. Uh, I think uh, the correct word is reserved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, so when we get to meet up or hang out, it's like a, it's like a combination of energies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. It's like we're meeting somewhere in the middle. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, you know, yin and yang, I think that's the... Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, I like it. High and low. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what you're getting at, but... Um, um, just that we just that together, I think that we have a good uh, good thing. The energy is good. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, it's good to collaborate with people. Always. So always You're looking at your mural right now. Yeah, it's very distracting. I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm supposed to be talking to you right now, but... Do you want to change seats? No, no, no. Okay. I think it's, uh, I can, I can we're, here, we're here at the swap shop. I'm trying to get in the moment. We got Ito's mural, the yes. main piece, the main hitter. Yes, yes. Looking good. Are we basically going to be just spending the whole time describing it to the audience? Is that kind of... No, we're, we're <laughs> done talking about it, actually. That okay, was the end. Cool. We're going to talk about Ryan now. Uh, yeah, That's Ryan. Right. Okay, cool. I think this is Ryan's first podcast. Is this your first, Ryan? I think it probably is. Come a little closer to the mic, would you? The rookie rookie mistake. <laughs> Follow Ito's lead. Three-time podcast Intimacy, guest. you know. Yeah, you want to really get uh, real, you know, real close with the mic, as if you're giving it a kiss. Yeah, <laughs> you can do that, but just a gentle one. I can also turn you up if it just doesn't work and you doesn't. It's not loud enough. Oh, thank you, Drew. I think I got it. Okay, all right. Um, 
Ryan, I wanted to have you on because I think it's okay. So the art world, very new to me, mm -hmm. got to work on the mural project event series last summer with Ido introduced to tons of artists through that. Very exciting. Still understanding that world, but then in the art world and you're an artist yourself. Yeah. And an art teacher. Yes. And educator, both things. Yes. Educator. I like that. Two things that I understand. But then this new thing is very new to me. Installer. Installer. Uh, I run a space with a gallery uh, partner. Yeah. Art space. Tell me more about the install. This seems like a, a world that's very, very new to me. And I didn't know, but it's very critical because if you go to an art gallery, have, I mean, would you say that there's an art itself in the way that the art is positioned and displayed? Yeah. I mean, and there is sort of a culture around it. There's a Instagram pages. For real? Memes and it's a whole culture. It's sort of like a very specific archetype of dude. Yeah. Or, I mean, or women too, but. Sure. Yeah. A lot of dudes though. Yeah. A cliche of like uh, this kind of grime, grime ball dude. <laughs> Has it always been a thing? Always, it's a profession. Yeah. It's, it's a, a term, uh, art handler. I think yeah. that's what. Art handler. Is that the same yeah, I think as installer? Yeah, I believe mm -hmm. so, right? Because I feel art handler is somebody that just wears like white gloves and walks art around. But you're saying they... Sometimes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people who had some sort of relationship to the arts. Mm -hmm. This is how they make money. Yeah. I find that to be... That's why I was... I was. You were like earlier, you were like, I wear a lot of hats. And I was like, I know. And I think it's admirable because it, it sounds like in a world... Um, that has limited uh, employment opportunities, I guess you could mm -hmm. say. Um, mm -hmm. Particularly like in our market here, there's less than I guess there are in New York, you know, but there's also more people. So I don't know if that equates, but uh, that you almost have to find like a variety of ways as an artist to kind of keep doing this. If that's, what, if that, that's the world you want to stay in. Totally. And I think sometimes the key to it and what a lot of people that are in proximity to the art world don't do enough is, use that skill set they have and step outside of it. Yeah. And not really. I mean, I, I work for art institutions in town and I also teach, but I also look at how can my skill set allow me to help other people and problem solve in other arenas. Yeah, for sure. And that's like, and this, and it's also, it seems you can be really like residential. Like you could go to someone's house. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, I, want, I have great art and I want that to be displayed, you know? Yeah, it's just it's fascinating to me, like the business to business aspects of the art world, because mm -hmm. I think that the art world has a lot of mystique to it from outsiders, you know? Y yeah. And so to even understand the art is one thing. But like I said, I was just so interested in like in what you do, because it's it's this other layer that I don't think people, unless you spend time in it or around it, would ever even know about. Totally. I think that, you know, there's a certain bit of like pride, I think, that some of the art handlers that I work with at the museums, like we all take and what we accomplish behind the scenes at a museum or installing a show or, or sort of some of the, the busy, I mean, there's some of the kind of like grueling things, sometimes frustrating things that we deal with. Yeah. And then how, because I remember my initial understanding of a museum space was this sort of very sacred, quiet, meditative place. But then once I started working in them and seeing sort of the, I mean, it, it stopped being a quiet place. It was a loud place. It was a place of a lot of, a lot of construction, a lot of. Because you're working behind the scenes. Yeah. When the show's up, your job has been mm -hmm. done. Most yeah. of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it weird to also balance that as an artist too? I mean, I, I've always kind of really enjoyed seeing. I mean, whether it's seeing the, the back of a painting, seeing how the stretchers were built, or just seeing some of the, some of the like more practical things about how artwork is shipped or stored or preserved. I mean, I've always been kind of a nerd about that stuff. I like to see yeah, how that stuff's been handled. But it's also like interesting to see artists working with curators and kind of helping facilitate whatever they want to see happen in a gallery. Yeah, yeah. Because they might have an idea, but they might not exactly know exactly how they want, like how that is manifested. I assume from the artist's standpoint, 
that there's a got to be like somewhat a legitimate level of trust between the the artist and the art handler. Would you agree with that, Ito? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think with most artists who, <clears throat> sorry, um, when uh, most artists who like like um, Ryan works at like goes to the uh, art history museum and the contemporary art museum and so especially at cam you have like uh, artists who have reached a certain level of uh, success and so they've maybe most of them are pretty used to working at that level mm -hmm. kind of like collaborating with all these different other people who have very specific skill sets and so they're just sort of like have an idea and then working with all these kind of experts to like facilitate these kind of often kind of on paper, kind of outlandish ideas or something. Sure. How does it work at a gallery like um, Monaco? Oh, the one that I run? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which isn't an, an, an institution, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, my, my gallery uh, that I'm a co-member of, it's like an artist collective. It's just 12 people. And uh, so I just recently created an exhibition that opened last week. And for that show, it was basically just me and the other artists who were a part of the exhibition uh, hanging the work. We, we don't have like a budget to like hire someone like Ryan Word. Uh, <laughs> to uh, install the work or something, you know? So almost is it, uh, as an artist, you almost have to get familiar with putting up your own stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why or comfortable, you know, so many artists end up going into that profession of art handler because maybe they do have an experience, a lot of experience doing their own work. Mm -hmm. And so then they are able to use their skills into a more practical way to make a living you know so it kind of makes sense that you know especially in a place like new york there's like kind of like this huge amount of people that i know who end up becoming that kind of profession basically so because uh, you're kind of able to be a part of that world yeah and kind of get like a front row seat to basically like you know what any artist's dream would be to you know show at an ex institution sure or something yeah and kind of like help facilitate that. Yeah. Um, so sort of like um, makes it feel less, uh, makes it feel more real when you're kind of just like someone like in charge of like the, all the practical aspects of making something like that happen. Well, so it's like if you go to a concert at like the pageant, yeah, yeah. you know, the band is playing, but there's also probably 20 to 30 people also that it takes to make that whole experience yeah, the, for you happen the roadies, yeah. and they're a lot more visible like a sound mm -hmm. tech or a sound guy or a lighting guy or you know what i mean right, right, right. um or a guitar tech coming and switching out guitars however in the art world it's like those are really behind the scenes like the art becomes the focus of the show yeah. like that's I mean, the when, goal. when the show's up i mean it's a it's a super part-time kind of gig like yeah once this we'll have three sometimes four weeks to get a show up and mm -hmm. then you know you don't we come back three months later and take it down and put another one up. Is it take, is it like uh, exponentially faster to take it down than just put it up? Depends. I mean, the most recent deinstall I did, there was so many objects to pack up and wrap in mm -hmm. plastic and catalog and make sure everything was in the right box. And yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's really a nice, sort of format for my life right now to have these places that I really enjoy to work at. Like I, I feel like I do have sort of like a lot of emotional investment to the art museum that I work at. I really like it. Yeah. So I look forward to, you know, in three months going to work there for a few weeks, but I also am really excited about sort of the freedom and the ability I have to kind of construct my schedule annually now where I kind of know like, you know, I'm going to do three installs at this place this year. Yeah. A couple installs at the History Museum or wherever, and then I fill it in with whatever kind of projects I want to take on. And and then on top of all that, fit my teaching in there. I was going to say, how far out can you can you plan out this, like, this work, this the amount of work you're going to see, income you're going to I see? I mean, most, most often... My strategy is I just say yes to everything. Nice. And then I just deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that means I'll have a stretch of three or four weeks or maybe you know, a month and a half where I'm working like 14-hour days. Yeah. And sometimes seven days a week. Yeah. But then I'll have like a month off sometimes. Wow. And really get to like 
like over this past winter, I didn't really work at all in the month of December because the yeah. semester was over. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't doing any install work. Yeah. I just finished up some really big projects. Um, I was working on this wall a little bit. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I got to make more paintings than I had made in about two years. In wow. a month, I just kind of caught caught a little gust of wind and just plowed through the studio for a while. And that That's was really cool. awesome. And you have a studio in Ferguson? Mm-hmm. It's called Bermuda Project? Yep. That's the, we, there's several artists uh-huh. in that space in the back half. And then for the last several years, we've been running programming, having artists do exhibitions, uh, letting local schools use it to have end of the year art exhibitions. Whoa. Uh, artist residency, Paul Art Space in North County has their annual year in review. So all their residents that come mm-hmm. and spend some time at the residency making art. They either leave something or they ship something back and then we show it at the end of the year. That's sick. Mm-hmm. How long have you been a part of that? Well, I guess in 2017, I, when Ido and I graduated graduate school together, mm-hmm. I was invited into this pretty large space. And at the time, there was only one other person in there and that was just going to be our studio. Yeah. And it was a space that I totally loved the idea of that giant space being my studio but i was like this is already kind of really set up as an exhibition space for sure and that would be kind of a, and if i did host exhibitions there would be a way for me to sort of maintain a peer group that i was a little anxious about losing yeah yeah leaving graduate school yeah so it was always a kind of a way for me to you know i could go to any city in the country or in the world and introduce myself as somebody that had a space and you know i could meet with an artist and just like and we could talk about possibly doing a show or for sure yeah i th- i find it i was that's a good point you were making about like the connectedness of the graduating classes you know especially like in art programs i find that um do you find that to be true also that it, it seems like the art world like is hyper connected uh yeah. both like when they're in school and then when they're out of school versus like i don't know if like accounting department like graduates or you know what i mean or uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that the art world and artists like to think they're a very unique bunch, and I don't think we are Yeah, in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, I mean, I would, I would imagine relationships across all fields are pretty important when they're developed in school or whatever sort of group they were in. But yeah, it's, it's, not <clears throat> it's not too different from almost... I think any field where it's about who you know. Yeah. And uh, basically kind of working a kind of network that you meet usually through school. Yeah. To kind of get your first opportunities for sure. Speaking of St. Louis specifically, like WashU has a great graduate art program. True? Well, they have great facilities. Okay. I think that they're trying to do a lot of things with that program. Yeah. I think it's a program that's limited mostly by geography. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to be in proximity to New York or LA or a coast in general. Sure. Um, in art. But I mean, I, I did like my experience there. Mm-hmm. I think I, you know, I made some lasting friendships with Ido and other folks. And, and it was really, for me, it was really important to come back here to go to grad You know, it was about being in St. Louis for me. Mm-hmm. where I'm from to return here and do graduate school here because when I was on the East Coast making art, I was making art almost exclusively about here. So I felt like I should I should just be here. I guess what I uh, was asking is like, do you feel like the, the program, Wash U, the connectedness, the artists working in that institution together is further advanced than... Um, uh, would it be like the consumer or like the commercial art world here? Like when you graduate, do you feel like, okay, now we're going to have shows, we're going to do galleries, I'm going to install. Do you feel like the world here, the understanding of the world outside of academia here mm-hmm. is like really far behind? No, I mean, kind of unfortunate in a lot of ways that just about every art space, every art opportunity in the city is, you know, it's mostly WashU affiliated people. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, where I teach in Ferguson at Florissant Valley Community College, 
there's like a whole other half of the art community that doesn't really, I mean, I would say of late, it's been a little better, Mm -hmm. but like there's faculty there that are truly amazing people and artists that nobody really thinks about. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's kind of because they're slightly isolated up there, but it's not like they're not at all the openings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They come down here and see everything and, there just sort of is this thing where I don't even know if it's totally intentional that just like the washu bubble, you, you know, a lot of opportunities for artists and the artists that get to exhibit, I mean, they were just there. They were in proximity to whoever was making the decision of who would be shown. Yeah. It's almost like, is it uh, prohibitive in ways? Mm-hmm. What do you think about this, Ito? Um, Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Basically, Washu being kind of like the dominant institution when it comes specifically to like the art community here. Yeah. I noticed myself when I was looking at grad school, like I needed, if I wanted to get certain um, opportunities, uh, I basically needed to have, you know, I noticed that everyone who was getting these opportunities had basically that stamp of Washu on them. Yeah. So it was sort of like a strategic move to like, well, if I want any of those things, I need to basically have that on my, my resume or something. And does that translate when you do like a show in New York or when you do a show in Chicago? Are they like, are they looking at it like, yeah, this dude's good because of Wash U? Are they, or is that not, does it have any, does it carry weight in other cities like that? Um, not really, I don't think. Yeah, I wouldn't say so at all. I think, uh, like I, I went to uh, RISD for my undergrad degree. Yeah. And I think because that's its proximity to the East Coast. Yeah. Um, basically, like my cohort of people when I graduated from there in 2011. Yeah. All moved to New York. Uh huh. Or maybe LA. Yeah. And um, so I found that a lot of my opportunities is through that peer group, basically. Mm. And uh, the heat's on now. Okay. <clears throat> and um, so I don't know. I, I, uh, I think WashU is sort of like. It's so centric specifically to St. Louis. Yeah. And then uh, it's sort of, uh, it helps a lot locally. Yeah. But on a national thing, that's sort of like still uh, not quite there, I think. Word. Uh, I think they're trying to do that. Yeah. But I think that's maybe when we were talking about like earlier about the cachet for like people coming here, the geographic kind of thing is sort of still a kind of a, a hindrance, I think, maybe. Um, like a school like Chicago as like the art institute of Chicago, that's sort of like the dominant, like Midwest institution, yeah. you know, or Kansas city. Yeah. Kansas city is also very good. So you have a lot of competition for sure. If, uh, people come to the Midwest for that kind of degree. Okay. Tell me about this. I see you guys both have your, uh, like you have a RISD email. Yeah. You have a wash you email. Mm-hmm. You still have your micro email, right? Yeah. I use my micro one. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? That's like a flex. Uh, you know, always learning, you know, always in school, you know, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, it's like once upon a time I had a hotmail or something, you know, but I lost it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I use the gallery email a lot. I uh, mean, I have my website email. I, people email me a lot through that, but, but like, yeah. uh, not to say it's a flex, but is there, is there merit in that? Like when you're emailing out someone and like that, you don't know or, I, I and they're will, like, Oh, okay, okay. I will kind of pick and choose which one I use. Like I'll, yeah. I'll be so either self-conscious about it. Like I don't want someone to think this is a flex or like, yeah. you know, if I'm applying for a job in St. Louis, yeah. Yeah. Where wash you is a name that carries a lot of weight without a doubt. Yeah. I use, I put that email down on my CV or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And where like, you know, Ido and I both kind of were similar in that we went to sort of big time, uh, East coast art schools for undergrad but here in say in the Midwest, a lot of people don't even know what those places are. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like I, I know re- about RISD, but what is where did you go? Micah, Maryland Institute College of Art. That's a big deal. Yeah, in Baltimore. Yeah, it's probably one of the top five best. I know about RISD and SCAD. Okay, yeah. That's where Janie went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. are all. So we say these are all kind of on the same level. Uh, kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Depends who you're asking. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I just noticed that that was something because I. It, it's tricky. Like there's, it, I mean, all this stuff, I feel, I feel weird that we're, it's sort of like this whole academic bubble thing. Yeah. It's kind of uh, a bit of a, I don't know, strange thing because 
It doesn't really. It matters, but then it doesn't matter. Yeah. I I feel like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I've worked with plenty of artists who have no training, formal training, really. Yeah. Or haven't didn't go to like a name school. Yeah. I don't know. It's um, like Peter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. Yeah. Of course. Peter's, Brilliant. Peter's one of my favorite artists, honestly. Yeah, Peter. Umsel. Peter Pransky, who yeah, I just created at uh, Monaco. Yeah. And um, I think it's a really dangerous thing. Like something at WashU is that you're in this big fancy building. Yeah. You have your name attached to this significant research institution. For sure. So you just, you feel like everything you're doing is somewhat le- legitimized. Yeah. Yeah. Where like, I think there's a super dangerous thing. And mm-hmm. I think that like. Yeah. You're going to school that looks like kind of Hogwarts or something, you know, like you're going to school in a castle. Yeah. You know, something yeah. out of a. That they're literally like when they built that school in the middle of the Midwest. Yeah, they wanted to export the kind of like East Coast kind of Ivy League looking buildings. Literally, you know, like the Gothic architecture. For sure. You know, which is kind of totally absurd to be. They're still doing it. Yeah, yeah, which is wild. Yeah, and they want to, you know, exactly. So it's sort of, um, it's a strange thing. I mean, perfect personally, like my decision to like to go to WashU for grad school was mostly practical. Like I, I could have actually gone to like. Micah for grad school and some yeah. other places, but you know, I think um, it's a question of like resources and like you know going into debt and like mm-hmm. to me, you know, Washi was some you know because of their being a larger institution, they were able to provide like a lot of like resources to people. So you know, I think it's you have to kind of just do like kind of basic math like that and yeah, you know, outweigh like what's what are you getting either way, you know. So I don't, it's not like, it's like pretty practical kind of concerns. Yeah. I don't know. And um, so, I don't know. And, and I find that recently, most of my opportunities outside of, that have, have happened outside of St. Louis is through a network uh, that I've become a part of with Monaco. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, that gallery I was telling you about. Yeah. So basically, being an artist collective, we've been able to get opportunities by uh, connecting to a larger network of artist-run spaces that are you know, all over the country. So it's kind of like, you know, and some of our members, most of our members have a washer affiliation. Mm-hmm. Either they teach there or they went there or something. Yeah. But there are a few who have no affiliation to it. So it's kind of just sort of about the work and kind of your career. Yeah, so you're going to have an open thing for new members? Yeah, yeah. We just um, we have to select two new members. You have to be an artist? Uh, not necessarily, actually. I want to apply. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, why not? Uh, I don't know. That's why I was wondering. I was literally, I was looking at the qualifications like, right. oh, but you have to have a CV. This is true, yeah, CV. Maybe I Jordan make a movie or something about some stuff I did. I don't know. I just, yeah. so I was wondering about that because like for real, because I feel like, uh, and Ryan, I mean, I assume that Bermuda uh, has opened up more opportunities for you. Yeah, and it's, I'd say so. And so like there is a certain element of entrepreneurship that comes with being an artist. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt, you know, and it, it doesn't. I I don't know what the right word to say it, but it's like it's like there's a, it seems like there's a balance though in in so, in so it's like you know that you have to sell, you know that you have to continuously put yourself out there, find ways to connect with folks outside of academia, outside of just the art bubble itself. Um, but I was curious about that. I was like, how much of it? do you run like a business, you know what I mean? Or do you run all of it like a business at this point? Is that what you went to school to do is to make a living doing this? I, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, what you're saying is totally true. And I think that artists, including myself and Ido, should think more about that and try that. (laughs) But it's like, you know, when I, I don't really run my space as a business. Yeah. It was more of this lifeline to people and artists maybe outside of here mm-hmm. or even it was just sort of a way to have a community. Sure, sure. And but I I do think that artists too much also want to stay away from this like business like entrepreneurial side of it because it feels like it's taking away from art. You yeah, know? but I yeah. also this I have a very complicated relationship to art. <laughs> I, yeah, point, I mean, it seems like my life. So I'm I, curious about it. It's like it's like Tyler's show. You know, we did this show here, uh-huh, yeah. and all the pieces are a thousand bucks. Right. You know, and one of them sold. Yeah, you know, but like forty one hundred dollar prints sold, uh-huh. and a bu- all of the t-shirt, all of the shirts sold. That's really you know what great. I mean. 
And I think that that's like, I get that there's a line, but it's almost like the line should be varied depending on where you're at. You know what I mean? Like we live in a town where like people aren't just buying art left and right. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's any more like selling out to like be like, no, I sell prints, I sell shirts. You know what I mean? Because the marketplace here, that's what it seems like they're more comfortable buying. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I think Ito does a really good job of it. I agree. I think in grad school, I thought he was selling his stuff, like, way too cheap. And I was just like, what are you doing, man? But I also think that, like, <laughs> there is something about, like, and what I did is I just, like, had a stick up my ass and was like, no, this is the price. Yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah. I just, and I still have that stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I think the problem is a lot of artists have a hard time um, being more subjective about their work. Sure. Obviously, if you're putting a lot of energy and time and kind of your... You know, I don't know. Your soul. <laughs> yeah. No, for real. <clears throat> you know, like, uh, basically, like, a work of art is, like, whoever makes it, it's, like, this is my idea, and if it's a good idea, then you should, you'd be happy to put it out there. But it's hard to be subjective about it. Yeah. It becomes very personal. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's if it's a... Usually, if it, the best work of art is like that, you know. So it becomes hard for a lot of artists to be subjective about how to market and sell their work. Yeah. And um, that's why typically you go into a gallery space and the work is for, you know, thousands of dollars. And from the average person, that's way out of their budget. Right. And uh, it seems like an extravagant purchase. Yeah. That's totally crazy to, <laughs> yeah. in order to like have a, you know, make a living, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I think most people look at art buying as sort of like this el- super elite thing that only like hedge fund managers or something. <laughs> yeah, Wall, Wall Street people could. I mean, you know. but that's really true too. Like, I well, think yeah, yeah, about, sure. I was having a conversation with some of my students just about the realities of like how expensive art is, and like this like other and this other world in which the people that can afford contemporary art live in, where they you know a painting costing anywhere between forty thousand dollars to one hundred eighty thousand dollars. You know, it's that's like a car, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a down home. payment to it's, a house, you know, it's like, and it's, you know, I was talking to my students about like, you know, I've never known anyone that could afford the art that I want to make, you know, or it's yeah. like, and it's so then at that point, like, who are you making this for? Yeah. So like, I've been kind of uh, recently thinking a lot more about my art and it belonging to somebody or, or sharing it with people. I recently had an old friend that I've known since grade school reach out about a piece because I was posting a lot of stuff and he wanted to buy it. And I just was just like, I told him I wouldn't be insulted by any offer. I just think I'd I'd rather you have it. Yeah, it's cool. You know, and like, I thought that was like way cooler than, you know, me sitting on this stuff and thinking like, oh, I have an idea of what this should cost because I have an MFA and like this and that and I just think it's really cool that he has it. And I think it's really cool that he was, he was not really like an art friend. He was just like a, a really good friend from my childhood. Yeah. Reached out and got it. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think the more ways you can just bring people into that world, you know what I mean? Um, and I, it, it seems it can be price prohibitive, but also just like conceptually prohibitive. You know what I mean? The idea of someone like, I don't know if that dude, same dude would, would go to a gallery show and you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like but probably, maybe, probably not. Well, yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of distrust too. And I, cause it's like art is, and it's not wrong to have this idea that art is really pretentious and that they're trying to pull one over on you. Like I kind of really enjoyed how recently down in Miami, like whenever Art, the art. Talk about the like, like the art world actually like actually accidentally runs into the real world. Yeah, yeah. We get these moments of seeing like you know people like, reacting kind of to a, yeah clothes, people kind of reacting to a banana tape to a wall or whatever and like you know they're not total, they're not wrong to feel like there's is some sort of joke on them. Yeah, that and they you know, see stuff bullshit, like that yeah, yeah. and like because really you know. 5% of the world or less really is plugged into what's going on in contemporary art. Yeah. And that's yeah, nothing yeah. wrong. That's not an insult to the other 95%. I think it's more uh, 
an indictment of the art world and like how out of touch it is with reality. Even when they're making art about very real issues, I think that it's a, it's such a inefficient platform for. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it's what you're describing is like a very niche thing, which is like the fine art kind of collector who goes to art fairs and buys work and stuff for work that's worth tens of thousands of dollars. And, you know, like you said, maybe probably 5%, uh, people do that, mm-hmm. but um, <clears throat> there, you have to like realize there are like art worlds, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, exactly, um, I think I think almost everyone cares about aesthetics to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like we all have like things that we are innately drawn to yeah. visually. Yeah, and um, so I think you know, like Tyler comes from uh, graphic design mm-hmm. kind of uh, world and uh, illustration world and. Um, skateboard culture or any kind of things, comics or yeah. I don't know, all these different things that kind of merge together to kind of create his aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's its own world, each one of that thing I just mentioned, you know. Yeah, for sure. And most of those things that people buy, you know, you can buy a skateboard by an artist. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred bucks. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's not quite as, I don't know, it's a question of volume, yeah. you know, scarcity versus something that is like, uh, you know, one unique object, you know. So yeah, it's just that's also all kind of under the pretense that these artists are making things that are even purchasable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like in contemporary art, a lot of it is not object based, or it's it's they're objects that aren't really they're ephemeral, or they're not going to last past the exhibition. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, like I a big huge part of my practice is making murals. Mm-hmm. I mean, the mural that we have behind us that's mm-hmm. something unique because it's on panels and it will be preserved yes uh my but, house yeah <laughs> but <laughs> most of the you know i've been doing murals for uh, i don't know maybe a couple of years now and i've done probably over a dozen and most of them have been destroyed you know they're already they're temporary so crazy temporary things that not crazy to you uh no 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 because uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the uh i don't know you go to a museum yeah uh, you're looking at the history of like objects from mm-hmm. over the world over the course of like, you know, uh, human history. Uh, 95% of objects created by people have been destroyed yeah, or rot away, you know? So uh, it's not, not a bad company to keep, you know, some. <laughs> it's interesting to me, like, cause I come from, you know, my first, I guess, introduction to art was like making punk rock flyers, cutting up stuff, you know, cutting out letters, you know, and then wheat pasting and like, that was it, you know what I mean? And then I uh, got to prints, you know, and I have like a million prints at my house, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm now I'm getting to the point where like, we took our living room and we like, we took all the prints down and we're like, we have a one wall that has nothing on it. Cause I'm like, I'm just waiting. Like I want to get mm-hmm. to putting original art on uh-huh. our walls, you know? But I find that to be a huge leap and i feel like prints have done a lot in terms of getting people hip to like artistry especially graphic artists and illustrators but like do you think that prints because of their accessibility and price point have almost like pulled people even further away from getting in the mindset of like what like a painting an original painting would cost you know or how or like the the accessibility of that i mean i don't know i mean i I think it's great that they have an option to have something affordable yeah. to have. And, you know, that's like, I love art. I eat, sleep, and breathe it. But it's like, I don't buy art. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. I can't yeah, afford same, art. Yeah. And like, you know, like, I'll tr- I'll trade and be like, hey. Yeah, all the art that I own is through trades or gifts from other artists, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, talking about like purchasing work, most artists, yeah, if they have art at all, it's through that. Basically. It's funny. It's like chefs or like uh, cooks. Mm-hmm. Like they can't afford to usually eat at the restaurants that they work at. Right, right. But they like can go and like sit at the counter or sit at the bar of like mm-hmm. their friend's place and like experience that same level of luxury on like mm-hmm. a we'll hook you up basis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the opening I, I did, I, like I said, I curated a show last week at, at Monaco and I would say maybe half the people who showed up were probably people involved in the art community yeah and uh it was maybe one of our biggest turnouts ever which is great yeah but i would say you know none of those people could afford to buy any of the art 
in the gallery. Yeah. So yeah. it's sort of like, um, how do you find, uh, as a business wise, you have like clout, like you're getting, you're becoming respected art space by yeah. your peers, yeah. which is not easy to do. Right. And, you know, the galley's been around for about three years, so yeah. it takes time to build that up. But then the question is, how do you uh, uh, then attract people who have the means to then buy the artwork? Right. So then you can then support and attract more artists to show in the space. Yeah. So it's a tricky kind of catch-22. Because often, you know, I think when people can tell when you're making, showing work that is, oh, you're just trying to make <laughs> a buck or something, you know, so it's a very tricky thing to kind of find the balance of like something that is both really interesting and appealing, mm -hmm. but also is viable to people who are in collector art, I guess. So I'm uh, personally uh, very interested in how we're going to collaborate together in this space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How so? Um, well, this isn't a gallery. Right, right. But we've had one event and it was an art show, but mm -hmm. this is definitively not a gallery, you know? Right, right, right. And I think that, uh, I mean, we had too many people in here to where you couldn't even see the art. Um, right. I think, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm curious because I would love to see those same people, you know, right. that were at Monaco come here. And I'd just be interested in like how and what you'll present to them in this space, you know, because um, it's not a gallery. Right. And I think, um, I mean, I, I talked to you about this later, but I guess we can talk about it now. Uh, <laughs> Let's I open it up. I had a meeting with uh, uh, with um, Graphic House. Yes, you know, the, that place we went to the other day. Tom Huck, Evil Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, so, Huck's latest venture. Yeah, and so I had a meeting there with JT. Yeah, and uh, so we were talking about doing edition prints of this thing here because I have very detailed drawings of very nice of that basically yeah, of the mural. Uh huh. And he can basically like scan that and turn that into edition prints. Cool. And then other drawings and paintings turned into, I think, I think for a space like this, you know, you, you realize what your audience is mm -hmm. and um, like any kind of commercial venue. So, okay, maybe, you know, paintings that are priced a thousand dollars is probably mo out of most people's price point. Though, you know, you sold one, so mm -hmm. probably made, I don't know, trying to do the math exactly, but a good amount of what you sold and all the smaller stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't make anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about for the artist. We're now. the gallery that gives 100% to the artist. Right, right, right. Yeah. Holler at us. Not the only one in town. Yeah, yeah, for real. But, um, so, I think a lot of galleries, Yeah. Uh, when you look on their websites, Yeah. a ton of them now have uh, these kind of, like, stores basically that's cool where they will show an artist you know and they have the space there you know mm -hmm. showing their paintings or whatever that they do yeah and then but provide like uh edition prints okay or some kind of merchandise yeah you know uh that's you know 20 bucks you know sure that's probably available to anyone yeah because you you know and so and the investment in that kind of thing is you know usually not too much so it's sort of a win-win for everyone yeah, kind absolutely. of have kind of both mm -hmm. sort of in this space. I, I could imagine basically doing things like that, basically. Yeah. Uh, creating like editions, limited edition uh, art objects. Sure. Um, for people. But there's also like, you know, I just went to the Kemper mm -hmm. at Wash U and they have a whole, a whole exhibition about additioned objects. Oh, for real? Yeah. That um, there was a, I think it was a sculpture studio in Europe, mm -hmm. the name of it, who worked with artists all over Europe and America to do like small additions, like four objects, mm -hmm. you know, four sculptures or four paintings or prints that would be, you know, additioned. And then wow. people would buy that. And so, yeah. you know, someone like, uh, I don't know, uh, Andy Warhol, mm -hmm. you know, to buy an Andy Warhol painting would be, incredibly expensive but by just having four of the same thing mm -hmm. you, the price comes down you know dramatically so because for many buyers it's like when they know there's more of the thing that they're buying yeah that makes the thing much more less valuable to them sure you know so sure. it's just sort of um how all that kind of stuff works so so i could see the space kind of functioning best like that you know yeah and that way everyone benefits the, the people the audience the the uh, 
uh, artist and everything. So I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about it being, you know, eight hundred thousand versus like one point five million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a deal. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm about yeah. So you know, it's like I don't know. I remember um, a friend of mine worked at a print shop, mm-hmm. and uh, he was showing me some some prints by this very famous artist, and the paintings by this artist are like that, like you know. In the millions of dollars, but yeah. print would be only $35,000, which only. is kind of like crazy. Isn't most. that wild? Yeah, yeah. Just because there's 20 of them. Yeah. The price, you know. And so the, the, the artist dealer was like telling this person to stop making prints. <laughs> wow. Stop wasting your time because we're trying to like sell paintings, you know. So, so like what is the, I mean. But artists are like innately attracted to things that are less. I think most artists don't want to just have you know, want to have a broader audience, you know? Yeah. Because I think down the road, if they're kind of, quote, popular, mm-hmm. that helps the work as well, you know? So Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting, because I'm like, at what, like, a well-known artist, at what level could you even access a print? Thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. Not hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, some, some people do prints yeah. like that. At larger scale, you know. Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, I think that's why it's important. Like, museums are so important. And galleries that allow you to just see the work. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much work that, so amazing work out there that's been purchased that's sitting somewhere in someone's house and no one's really going to see it. Right. I know that there's some attempt by some different, like, Instagram accounts and different groups are trying to sort of get some of that work out at least digitally seen sure. or just right. disseminated in some way but you know my whole relationship to art in my like adult life has been going to see things that have been on view in museums and galleries and even and when I'm in a gallery space I you know I don't even really think about the fact that it's for sale it's just just the, this opportunity for me to see it yeah yeah, I mean, uh, but it's and it's interesting what happens to value of things objectively when you put a price tag to it, you know. Sure. Um, you know, hopefully when people came to the show mm-hmm. that we did, you can just enjoy the mural that I did for you, mm-hmm. not think about the price tag of it of it costing something. Right. But you know, every everything has a value, so yeah, people trying to like commodify things, and um, so you know, you go into a gallery. And uh, your perception of like a painting that's worth a hundred dollars versus a hundred thousand dollars, you know, yeah, is, uh, gonna can't help but you know alter your perception. So, my favorite show that I've had at my gallery happened mm-hmm. a few months ago. I gave my my ninety four year old grandma had her first art show ever. Wow! And she uh, has she been making art a long time? Yeah, she'd always been like kind of painting. You know, that's she cool. painted horses and butterflies and landscapes and things like that and you know like my dad can draw really well so that's definitely where it comes from Mm -hmm. like my lineage Mm -hmm. but it was her first show art show ever and I you know got to put these little paintings all around in this very like stark white contemporary art gallery space and uh you know, I just thought it was a, a really nice moment to see all of this and, like, invite family to come see this and her kind of get to be the star of the show. For sure. But she was just hell-bent on selling all of it. Like, that was, like, <laughs> that was her whole thing. <laughs> Gangster. <laughs> yeah, funny. like, she was just, like, like, I thought it was just going to be this kind of, like, celebration of her life right? and family and the art. And she was, like, no, like, this is... This is business. <laughs> hey, I can't, you can't then, knock the hustle. And then, so, like, I was thinking, like, you know, I guess me and I was like, well, I'll, I'll buy something then, you know, like, I was thinking we're all going to buy something. And then, like, you know, she was, she was unhappy with the prices. She, she, her grandchildren were buying all this stuff and she was like, oh, that's too cheap. Like, I was, it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> and it was just kind of funny because, you know, out of all the shows I've had there, 
you know, I, I might sell something every once in a while. Mm -hmm. It's usually when I show somebody who has a collector base or there is a demand for their work and somebody from out of town reaches out. Yeah. And then they want it. Yeah. Um, so it's not like I really even have much of a protocol for selling things. And <laughs> Pretty casual, yeah. yeah and I, but there was no explaining to her that I kind of just do this as a thing for me and my friends in the community to yeah. see art. And, yeah. But, I mean, it was it's still really awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, but it's not wrong for her to, like... Oh, totally add, not. Add, think of her labor as a value, you know? Absolutely. Without a doubt. You know, and want to make, you know, make money from... You know the things that she did you know and um i don't know but it's um i got your story reminded me of a thing i did one of my favorite projects was um when i was teaching at a school for children with autism uh i gave my students an exhibition at a, a gallery called fort gondo and uh which is like a was a really nice uh, art space you know mm -hmm. and so you know it was a really and the whole question for that show is basically who gets to have a voice you know mm -hmm. and um is it People just like us mm -hmm. who went to the right school or you know, yeah. have the right credentials and CV. Yeah. Or is can it be kind of opening it up to anyone who makes art, you know? Sure. And uh, and just, you know, the work is interesting, then that should probably only really be the criteria. Yeah. And um, so, um, you know, it was a great thing to see the students see their work in, uh, you know, art space like that. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly for their families who often maybe don't always see the value of something like that. Yeah. But it really was exciting for them. So I don't know. I think, um, and I, I've seen other shows like um, an exhibition I saw a while ago was um, a show of all prisoners work mm -hmm. and uh, artwork made in this, like uh, I think it was a federal prison by mostly lifers mm -hmm. who've got uh, <laughs> nothing but time. Yeah. And, uh, and he made these incredible objects out of like toilet paper and you know just like things that they have access to and um i think to me that's sort of like when that's sort of like the best of uh makes you realize oh that's why i'm interested in this kind of field yeah you know? yeah there's a certain like element of disruption with all of those things yeah 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 which i, I think, think breaks a lot of walls down probably you know what i mean in terms of accessibility yeah i think people are able to kind of uh go beyond their expectations of things like that when they see like someone always has the same kind of interest or something. So well, you have to think of the subject matter and also the creative or the creator as artists when you do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Versus, versus just looking at the art and, you know, and agreeing that that's art and the right. person that made it is an artist, you know, and you're like, right. well, I'm, I'm two things removed from this basically, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, you break it down to, uh, you know, a, a kid that's developing with autism or, a, you know, someone that's incarcerated, like, those aren't what I think of immediately when I think of artists. Yeah, but even for you, like, giving your first show to Tyler, who, yeah. this is his first art show, right? Yeah. So, he's someone who probably thinks of himself as, like, a, a graphic designer, an illustrator. Yeah. And so, to kind of, like, bring in different voices mm -hmm. uh, to, like, a space yeah. and, like, present that, I think is is important, so... I think it's easy for people to get very siloed and myopic about their view of like who an artist is and then yeah. who gets to do what, you know? Yeah, we got this dude coming in next, Nerds, Mr. Nerds on Instagram. He's okay. a graffiti artist. Oh, uh -huh, yeah, yeah. And um, that's going to be the, I think we're going to do a show here. Okay, cool. Because I'm like, his stuff is amazing, you know, yeah. but it's often on like buildings or trains or, you know what I mean? Things yeah, yeah, that yeah. aren't like framed and like hung up for you to look at, you know? Right, so that'll be really interesting. Plus, I think you just have like, the perspective is just so different when you're working with people where it's new to them too. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah. know, that's like real exciting. I always say it's like, if I can catch people in that like slightly uncomfortable position, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's a vulnerability attached to that, you know, which depending on how you look at it can be really exciting or really frightening, you know, ideally a little bit of both. And I think that's how you can get some really unexpected stuff yeah, both yeah. from an art, but just general creative collaborated standpoint, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Hell yeah. I could talk about this shit for all, forever. I really, I enjoy you guys. I enjoy getting to know both of you. Um, I think you guys are immensely talented, and I think it's cool that, like, you're providing this level and uh, that you'll sit down and talk to me, but you'll also, you're just, you're making our city and the and where we live better. By adding, because you've, 
you really dedicated your lives to this shit. You know what I mean? And it's something that a lot of people, they just can't get their heads around. You know what I mean? So I think conversations like this one, I hope are important or just do a little bit in terms of opening up the access to that shit. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I do think it's important. Yeah, I mean, I think... You, I think art makes the world better. You don't need... Um, yeah, I think you can have a pretty good impact without having a huge amount of resources and stuff. So I think that's... Uh, you know, when people work together, help each other out. Yeah. So you can accomplish a lot more when that allow that kind of partnership to happen. So, well, thanks for sitting down with me today. Cool. Of thanks, course. Man. I appreciate, appreciate you. you. Um, according to our notes on the format, we're, uh, we're supposed to talk about wrestling real quick. Do you guys want to talk about wrestling? Uh, sure. Yeah. I used to wrestle, so I can. That's right. <laughs> but not like Ito, like off the top rope, Ito. No, unfortunately not. No. The, the kind of Greco Roman. Kind of I could see you being school. a wrestler. High school, yeah, yeah. Stout little guy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did they did someone <laughs> scout you out? Uh yeah, I had some I had some letters sent to me from colleges, yeah. How did you but about wrestling though? Did someone come up to you one day and be like, You wanna wrestle? Well, I s- played football for one year. Really? High school, freshman year. Learning a lot today. Because some kid told me I was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm like five Six on what a good day, play? so it's like I don't know. I well, I didn't play. That was oh. the problem. I wasn't very fast. The only thing I was good at was tackling people. Like I could tackle guys twice my size. So you know, wrestling is like the same <laughs> that, but just you know, on a mat. So so you were, how did you like wrestling? Yeah, I was the the captain of my wrestling team, and and uh, went to state and all that jazz. And uh, yeah, I have all these little weird statues of men crouched over in a singlet. Uh, another life maybe that could be a subject matter for a show uh yeah i've thought i've sort of toyed around with it you know because like um the stereotype for artists is that we're all bad at sports yeah and uh well like too much in our heads and so there's actually especially with like mural work it's there's a lot of physicality to it yeah and you need a lot of discipline to be an artist sure and so um i think sports coordination doesn't hurt yeah 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 i was always an athlete before I was an artist too. You baseball, right? Baseball, hockey. I mean, I was always, I was such, in the context of art school, I was such a bro because <laughs> I like liked sports. It was like this like really jarring thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was coordinated and like sports. And yeah, yeah. Have yeah. interests other than art. I like fishing. I like doing these, you know? Yeah. Right. So it's sort of like the stereotype of like the art school kid is like this sort of, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, that wasn't exactly the type of wrestling that I was hoping to talk You're about. Talking about WWE? Is that the yeah, I just figured we could talk about that for a few minutes. What do they call it now? I have a very like limited yeah. window of when wrestling was important in my life. It was like the Stone Cold. The Attitude Era. Yeah. <laughs> the Rock. The Undertaker. Yes. But the like original. Late 90s? Yeah, like 97 to 2000, basically. Okay. Mankind. Also Dude Love. I don't remember Dude Love. I was WF exclusively. Yeah, Mankind was Dude Love. Oh, that's what. And he was also Cactus Jack. Three Faces of Foley. That's what that's called. What about Hulk Hogan? Was that earlier? Or? That's earlier. Okay. But I mean, by the late 90s, he was in WCW. He was right. Hollywood, NWO. <laughs> right. Too sweet. Okay, yeah. I'm not going to force the wrestling part of the show, but, um, you know, we got What's there. What's going on with wrestling? Is that a- wrestling is, a, is experiencing a huge resurgence right now via indie wrestling because oh, of the right. internet, you know? Sure. Social media is really connected worlds. I'm sure it's like done the same for you guys, but like, you oh, know, yeah, you can find your niche and like get really into it. You know what I mean? By a, via hashtag, via like specific yeah. accounts and Have stuff like that. Have you been to the, what's this, in South City, the wrestling? South Broadway? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Have you done that, Ryan? I haven't been. That's more like a circus than <laughs> wrestling. I mean, it's like for families. You know what I mean? Like those guys aren't like. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a good time though. I yeah. highly recommend. I think it's the first Saturday of the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll have to go sometime. For sure. We got to go to Bermuda Project. When's the next show? Uh, February 28th. Very soon. Will this be out by then? How long's it run for? Uh, it's going to be sort of a bit of a pop-up. It's a year in review show for Paul Art Space. Okay. But I'm sure I'll keep you posted. When okay. And more. Bermuda Project has an Instagram? Yeah. At Bermuda Project? Yep. The Bermuda Project. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Drew. Wow. And Ito, your Instagram is at Ito Rosenblith. That's right, yeah. Just like it sounds. And then what's Monaco's Instagram? Uh, Monaco's is Monaco USA. 
producer is on it, dude. Mm-hmm. Wow. He's got it all pulled up. That. Okay, um, next segment. Ending thoughts slash advice. Um, What's some advice he does? I don't know. Uh, you know, never give up. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect for the first ending thoughts advice. Ryan, anything to add to that? Oh, I don't know. Um, Live your dreams? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think I mentioned something about like looking at your skill set and see where seeing seeing where else that applies. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good advice. Great advice. Yeah, I would. You've been I would, doing it. I would elaborate. I would just, you know, I would say that's it. Oh, I, I think I, I, I um, showing up, I think is good. <laughs> Accountability. Wake up early. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but I feel like half the battle for like St. Louis is to just show up to things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've gotten a lot of opportunities by literally just being at a place and then talking to someone and then getting making things happen yeah so and i found that like i mentioned earlier the opening show i just created mm-hmm. last week had a great turnout and i think great turnout that was know. the most people i've seen in an opening in a long time yeah and i think you know if you show up for other people they usually show up for you so that's probably good that's a good call also yeah. you had bread yeah food think, yeah the bread bread it's bread's always good, good. The top. Bread, bread, and, bread and booze bread and booze yeah carbs get a crowd well, again, guys, thank you for doing this. Thank you for spending time. Um, I'm sure we'll continue to do cool stuff together, yeah. and I'm thankful for that. Thanks. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right, Drew, it's time to wrap the show up. It's the outro. All right, I'm back. Welcome back. What do you think? I really enjoyed listening to all that, and I was uh, trying to be impressive by uh, pulling up all of the Instagram stuff and even the websites. So I did that too. So hopefully uh, it was worth it having me here. <laughs> you did great. Just for that little thing, right? You, and you learned a lot about art today? I did, yeah. I'm pretty far removed from um, kind of the more formal side of art and being formally trained and all that. I don't, I like, I'm, I'm very far away from all that. Yeah. And so I think sitting here with two guys who, are from that world and kind of hearing their perspective on things was, uh, was really cool to hear. Um, and, uh, just talking about like accessibility and, um, I don't know, just, just stuff that I, I think about as like, kind of like a fringe artist and like all the things that I do, I always kind of question it. Like, am I, is this art? Like, am I, is this good? This sucks. I'm an imposter. You know, I think so, you, you're bad at it. You have a different you have a way of coming at it. You know what I mean? Through like yeah. the techno, like the te- the technology side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think the Apple computer is um, is a sketchbook, and it's also you know a palette. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like the ability, like just the applications that are available there. You know what I mean? And that being your background, it's like to like kind of guide people into this thing, and you know. You can create anything on that shit nowadays, you know? So no. I think it's like... And that's, that's uh, I think, an important... Maybe more people are being... I feel like the most creative thing that... Mo- the, the most single creative thing that people are doing or the most consumed creative thing that people are doing these days is Instagram. Yeah, honestly. You know what I mean? Even yeah, though people it, be putting, like, text as the visuals and stuff. I know it's not really right. what it's intended for, but yeah. even that, you know what I mean? You're using your words but as your I, art. I think uh, leveraging technology now is is such a big thing because there's so much you can do in terms of creating things completely yeah. digitally. I know that um, kind of takes away from, um, you know, when you're talking about selling original art and stuff like that, there's something that there, there's a whole other value to that. Yeah. Um, where the digital stuff is, like, just very consumable. You know, you can just, like... I can go on to, there's an app on the the iPad called Procreate. Mm-hmm. It's a weird name, I know. And every time I said it when I was at the Apple store, people would be like, wait, what? Procreate? Pro- oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. It's called Procreate. You put that pay, that, that space in there, so it didn't even Procreate. Pro. Yeah. See, that's how I always create. Said it, yeah. Um, but like with the Apple Pencil and everything, it, it, you can pretty much reproduce something that's totally like, analog you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah in terms of like different brushes and all kinds of stuff but you can actually go in and adjust the brush to your particular uh liking you know yeah. what i mean yeah so uh it's just it's crazy the kind of stuff that you can do with the digital format now without a doubt i remember about 10 years ago i got in this app called adobe draw yeah on ipad yeah because i can't draw with shit 
but like in a pixel format, it'll like connect the lines for you. It's, and you can fill in. Yeah. So I had an, or you I have an Instagram zoom, account called Monsters and Pizza. Yeah. And it's just shit that I would draw. <laughs> yeah. It's like ridiculous. You know yeah. what I mean? But it let, it just, I, I would not have that same confidence without a stylus and an iPad. Right. You know what I mean? There's no way. Yeah, like, and, I can't and the draw. undo button is very important. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so it, I think that makes cool. the whole thing easier. That's for sure. That uh, allows people, that allows things to happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything else. There you go. The the boys got it pulled up. That's me. Yeah, that was a long. That was a long time ago. But that's all I knew how to do. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Oh, thank you. That was on. I think I did them for Christmas. Secret artist here. Yeah, monsters and pizza. I don't consider myself an artist, but like I said, the technology, like the like, I I just did on iPad. You know what I mean? With my finger and the Uh, got a pizza wizard here. Yeah, pizza wizard. Dragon. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> my sure. art is being endorsed right here. Is your dog? That's my dog, Mabel. Last one, 2013. Ah, yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. I think we have our next show at Monaco. <laughs> hey, we'll recreate. Recreate. Yeah. I'll, I can only do it, on, but like I said, I don't have the same confidence to like sit down with a piece of paper and a pen. Yeah. I'd be like, eh. You know what I mean? The, Without the, my undo button, I feel... But that technology post. is just, is it like it gives you just a little bit of a, you know? You're the yeah. next David Hockney. So. Who's that? Oh, he's a he's an artist. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. We'll have to look that one up after the show. Yeah. Um, okay. Makes a lot of iPad art. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So you're on your way, man. Thanks, Edo. Everyone, everyone can be an artist. Hell yeah, hell yeah. If there's any takeaway from today, I think that's it. So, uh, man. All right. Cool. Great conversation. Well, everyone should draw. That's what I. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a good cognitive ability. For sure. For sure. Um. Cool. So what do you think? Sounds good. Yeah, I might draw my iPad when I go home. Yeah, I lost my Apple Pencil, so I have to go buy another one. Yeah, those are like a thousand for two dollars on mm, yeah. Amazon at this point, I think. Right? Yeah. No, not the pencil, pencil, but stylus. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for joining me again today. Mm-hmm. See you tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I will. I will see you tomorrow. I guess we'll see the listeners next. The next day too. Uh, I'm not sure what day is it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. All right. The listeners will see us next Tuesday. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm going to press the right button, I think. Bye. Super Giant World Podcast.